Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready. And for the last race review of the season, I'm joined by Matt to rumpets how's it going there matt ah, it's going pretty good i think we're getting a little bit punchy because it does seem like to me we've had 17 races in like three weeks yes it could be correct i mean but what do you expect in an 800 race season yes with 9,000 drivers i don't know it's been but good still. there's been a lot of drivers yeah. there's been 45 podium finishes this year uh it's been absolutely crazy and you might wonder why we didn't have a show title from Twitter. I looked through all of them and all of them were like, oh, snoozy dabby and stuff like that. Um, and I, I guess I can't blame people. Did you see the ones from the chat room? No. Have you got any suggestions? I have two. Okay. Christian Candler, title of the podcast, Alb Gone with the Wind. Ooh, topical. And Jeremy Hopwood with Perez strolls into the sunset. Or, or, or does he? Yeah, that's interesting. Or does he? But I I can't blame people. Yes, uh, the race, it didn't quite kick off, um, but it didn't kick off for some interesting reasons. uh, So that's good. But also the telly was constantly moaning about how terrible it was and how the tracker wasn't up to up to scratch or whatever. And they're entitled to their their opinion. Social media seemed to be of that opinion as well. So as a, as a group, our kind of group F1 think, found this race uh, boring. And I get it. I, I saw the race in front of me. I saw the track isn't doing the trick. But Matt, I, I think one of the reasons everyone was so down on the race was because we've had such great races this year 
that suddenly a very kind of ordinary F1 race just you go, huh? What? You mean three people didn't take each other out at the start? Where's the last minute safety car? Where's the mangled pit stop? Yeah, and and it is. I mean, I I know I heard people saying this race is boring. I heard I heard pundits saying it before and after the race. I heard drivers saying it. But watching the timing screen, I got to say, I was never really, really bored. There was always someone who was up to something or someone who had to get by someone. And there were always gaps to be measured to see like, well, where's this pit window going to come out and stuff like that. So admittedly, I'm probably, at least in this respect, a bit of a minority. Yeah, but from we, we can accept that from a viewing experience, it didn't spark. And I can tell that yeah. by the level of conversation in my house. My whole family was watching the race with me. And there were long periods where I suddenly went, oh, I've been on my phone, like on Twitter or on um or on, on, a, on a Slack group or on WhatsApp, and I haven't been paying as much attention to the race, and, and the conversation isn't flowing as much. Look, we can accept that it wasn't an exciting race, but there were some very exciting reasons for it, so I cannot wait to get into the weeds. Um, so before we go anywhere, just quickly, I know a lot of people don't listen uh, beyond the final race review, because we see the numbers every year for the season race review. So um, I, I just want to say goodbye to you guys. If you're not going to tune in, uh, we miss you. Please tune back in for our race previews. We have loads of interesting stuff planned for the ramp up to the 2021 season. But I will urge you to come and get on our race review because I think we've got some really good debate points and some really good arguments we have with us. And don't worry, Chris isn't even on that show. We've got Kyle and Ellen, I think, for our race review. And then on Thursday, we're releasing an episode we are where we're collaborating with our friends over at the F1 subreddit as well. So we're going to have the um, the editor-in-chief of that subreddit there, Flip uh, uh, Jakobsen, coming and joining us on the show. So we've got two great postseason shows for you coming up. I'm assuming they're going to be great. And then, uh, and then we're going to take our break for Christmas, and we'll see you bright and bubbly in the new year for the same off-season content that we've always produced and we've always enjoyed because we are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves and the generous support of our patrons we aim to bring you a race review before your monday morning commute we might be wrong but we're first it's not just me and matt don't worry we're also joined on a race review for the first time this season by chris stevens hey chris Hey, Spanners, finally just, just snuck one in there at the end of the year. It's been so stupid this year. It's just because we've been able to have you when there hasn't been a lot of motorsport activity. And because of the condensed season, any time there's yeah. been a race, there's been a lot of motorsport activity. Therefore, we've not been able to have you. But it's for a good reason. You're working in motorsport. Yeah, absolutely. I think since the season started, I've done, what, two mm. news shows? Yeah, so this is probably my third one since the season started. And it's been... A very, very hectic year. And I, I'm not going to lie, I'm a little bit glad that the motorsport is over for a little bit so that I can just enjoy some some normal life. Exactly. Concentrate on some sim racing commentary and do some great off-season content with us whilst I work hard to uh, to get to know your bosses and ruin your reputation so that you'll be available more in 2021. <laughs> We're joined by our race analyst, Alex Jeansy Van Gen. Van Gen. Van Gen. Van Gein. Yeah, Van, Van Gein, Gein. technically. Van well, I pronounce it Van Gein, but we're not mm. going to have this conversation again like we do most shows. I like um, it. No, happy to be on to actually discuss what may be one of the least exciting Grand Prix that actually didn't involve a Mercedes running off into the distance. That makes me happy that the, the, the less exciting race wasn't a Mercedes victory. 
Alex, tell me about the, this track, because I've, I've tried defending it in the past. In the context of this season, this race was hard to defend this track because uh, I think some of its failures w- were stark when compared to the exciting races we've had at Portimao, um, at Mugello. In normal seasons, I guess I guess Paul Ricard makes it look good. A non a non safety car Baku makes it look good, but it felt very exposed in the calendar today, and it, it didn't quite kick off. It's really an odd one because when you look at the track map and you look at the corners, first corner you got a fast you got a fast sweeper, and then the second corner is kind of an it comes out of it off camber, so it generates a little bit of understeer, and then it goes into a tight chicane with a heavy stop, and then there's a hairpin with a heavy stop, and then there's a long straight with a chicane with a heavy yeah. stop, and then another heavy stop, and that should generate lots and lots of overtaking, but I think because of um, the corners proceeding actually have quite a lot of aero wake you can't get close enough in those particular corners to then take advantage of the big stops which is a shame and now uh, matt's nodding his head in agreement but chris is shaking his head so in a hot take clickbaity kind of way let's go to chris stevens for his hot t- tell jeansy why he's wrong and stupid so that you got that final sector where it's all 90 left 90 left 90 right 90 left which is not great for following first of all so you come out of that onto your pit straight which is very short so you get no time into a medium speed turn one. Again, not great for following. Fast couple of corners where it's pretty much easy flat, even in uh, the races most of the time. And then some super slow stuff where that then spreads the pack out because of the concertina effect. If the corner before the first straight was quicker, you might actually get them stuck together for a little bit longer. Now, since DRS has come in, you can get the pass and the repass, but it's... It's then difficult to actually make something stick. So thank God for DRS. The the also the big issue is is because of the orientation of the circuit and because of where it's actually placed. Um, that first chicane, if it wasn't there and they went straight to the hairpin, that would make a much better run for those particular corners. But because they haven't got the space behind that corner to give a long enough runoff, they can't have it going into there because the closing distances for that is too. So if you lose your brakes, you're going straight into a wall at very close range. Now, there's a there's a little extra bit of alternative track layout there, which is a bit of like an S. So it's like an additional chicane, but quite a, uh, quite a quick one. I, I almost wonder if they added that in, you'd actually make a little bit of an S's section in the first sector, and the cars wouldn't be approaching that, what is a currently a hairpin, as quick. I almost wonder if that's the solution. I mean, there's a lot smarter people than me working on that. I know the bit you're talking about, and I agree with you, but again, I think they carry far too much speed into that. So again, the runoff isn't big enough. That's the problem. Okay, so uh, we can all say that the F1 community isn't a massive fan of Abu Dhabi. All I will say with the negativity is, yeah, we get it, but you don't have to let it like ruin your weekend. You know, If you can't get into the pub that you want to get into or you can't go to the posh restaurant, you've got to go to your Pizza Express, Chris. You know what? You, you sit there and you enjoy your dough balls. You, you, make, you make the best of it. We can say it, but I mean, th- there's, a, there's a lot. There's a lot of negative. I just get a bit like, it's like, okay, I get it. It's not perfect, but come on. It's an F1 race. I, I also think if you say it, there's no need to keep repeating it. Like we, we, we get it. You're not entertained. You don't need to keep <laughs> reminding us and bringing down the people who might actually be enjoying it. Alex. I also think the problem is if this was like somewhere in the middle of the season 
or five or six races before the yeah. end of the year, it wouldn't be so bad. The fact that this is the finale and it rarely produces anything decent apart from in 2016 because Lewis backed the whole grid up, um, it doesn't create that finale feel. And naturally now I'm thinking about science. And everybody loves the experiments where the grand new thing is discovered and the new theory is proven. But the fact of the matter is a lot of science is discovering that things don't work at all. The race at Abu Dhabi is very, I think, trying and challenging for the teams, but in a negative way. And I just hold up the midfield today. As a result, we had McLaren, we had Renault, we had Racing Point, and only one of them was able to even get close to their strategy. So I I think it is challenging, but it tends to produce negative results, not positive results. So there's not the same drama associated with it, and therefore people slate it. This race was also massively not helped by the early safety car, which just neutralized the entire strategy for 16 or 17 of the cars. And even the cars that went like alternatively, nothing really came of, of that. Okay, so I think we'll get into a bit of a safety car stuff uh, because it was it's rare for there to be... I think this is one of the few tracks where uh, the odds are very, very uh, sh- long on a safety car. So you'd have made good money if you'd have bet on a safety car today. Um, however, where a lot of races have been spiced up and elevated by a safety car, this kind of killed the, the conversation we were having on our Friday patron uh, stream, Matt, wasn't it? Which was the, the difference between a one and a two stop. And and really like a two-stop could have made this race interesting, the safety car just killed all chance of that. Uh, yeah, basically, because it not only did it happen, it just happened at the wrong lap. If it had been lap two or three, it would have been one thing. Even where it happened was okay, but it lasted just long enough to to really make all of the teams focus on a one-stop as the only way to get round the track fast. And we did see some interesting uh, we did see some interesting choices being made, uh, particularly by Ferrari. And by interesting, I mean just like what are you thinking? Um, and and really, um, I don't want to get too much into it unless we're going to go there. But but we we did see how it played out, and it was it was luck, I think, as much as anything that saw Ricardo um, do as well as he did on the alternate strategy, the only one to really get a positive result from it. Chris is, is luck. Uh, a pair of really, really slow Ferraris that backed. <laughs> stop, <laughs> everyone, stop. We'll get to the midfield battle. We'll find out where the race was won and lost um, as well. Uh, during the course of the race, I'm going to say that um, Albon contributed to uh, to Bottas, uh, to Max Verstappen's win. I'm going to say that Bottas contributed to Max Verstappen's win. I'm going to say the Ferraris made terrible strategy decisions in, in this race, uh, Ricardo deserved better and that Stroll could have been further um, up the grid. We'll also have a little look at that uh, that third place in the championship battle as well. But let's set the scene a little tiny bit before we get there, Matt. Um, this race made very interesting by the Mercedes uh, MGUK. Indeed, we discovered everyone remembers the massive flame out that Checo Perez had in the First Bahrain race or second or first one, right? He was in yeah. third place and then went kaboom and then, oh my, look at that. It was tragic. There were tears on the podcast, as I recall. Um, and then we remember <laughs> no. in, in free practice, uh, Russell like polluting the air with smoke from his engine. And it turns out that our friends at Mercedes, high power performance up in Bricksworth, have a bit of a gremlin in the MGUK. 
And as a result, Mercedes announced uh, via Toto Wolf doing an interview that they were actually reducing the usage of the MGUK for this race, which, if I understand it correctly, and there's at least a 10% chance I do, means that they weren't quite up with the normal power that they would be using during a race. I don't think it was a big, huge thing, but I think it might have been just enough, especially over the course of the race, to have an impact. thing is, Chris, this is what we've always wanted, really, wasn't it? It's like, can, can we not just nerf the Mercedes power advantage and everything will be better? Kind of true. It's so bizarre, isn't it, to hear of uh, Mercedes having reliability problems, the team that is usually so bulletproof and the team that doesn't take engine penalties. And actually, the only uh, engine manufacturer this year that didn't take any engine penalties was Honda, which is very bizarre. Thinking a few years ago, they were taking 100-place grid penalties with McLaren and even last year taking those strategic grid drops at races that they weren't so competitive at and so uh it's it's almost uh, a bit of a bit of a reverse to what we're used to oh my god van jean's gonna make a comment on engine technology um i'm not quite so certain how much um we're putting on the merc engine power just because during um uh ted's pit walk he mentioned that he'd spoken to somebody at mercedes and said it was only worth about a tenth of a second a lap they had other issues this weekend that was actually costing them the time not the car well, not you've, the angered, you've angered trumpets right to reply uh so first of all a tenth of lap times 55 laps is 5.5 seconds not insignificant if you look at the gaps at the front and second yeah, of all Alex. which exactly were the other issues that this person mentioned because now i am curious because i didn't see that I think they were having tire issues and balance mm. issues on, on the face of it. But the thing is, how far ahead did Max finish? 10 seconds, 12 seconds ahead? Yeah. Um, and I think, and I also think Max was probably um, chilling quite a bit. I don't think Max was pushing hard. Right. So just real quick coming back at that, slower cars have less downforce. Less downforce affects the balance and also the usage of the tires. These things on a Formula One car are always always connected i'm not going to say that's 100 percent of why we saw them slower this weekend i mean it's certainly hamilton you know you've got a sort of a special exemption there but it certainly played into it and it was not total it was not an insignificant detail in the weekend would be my argument both drivers definitely said especially on the soft tire that red bull could make it work better than they could um, mm. whether that was uh, a byproduct of Pirelli using the softest tires in the range this weekend um you know for, for whatever reason they couldn't get it to work there was also a question in the chat room i think it was from philip allen um asking why the pole position time was slower than last year and i think maybe mercedes not being at 100 percent contributed yeah. to that maybe but of course there was also no support races so there was so much less rubber on the track compared to when they have the Formula 3 and the Formula... Well, they don't normally have the Formula 3, but the Formula 2 and and uh, I think the Porsches as well, usually. And a shout out to Philip Allen there, who helps us out greatly and keeps the posts and contents up and um, uh, race comment feeds and such like in our Facebook group, if you want to go over there. Uh, it's... Um... Oh, it's a, it's a feisty old Facebook group. For a Facebook group, it's pretty good. But, sti- you know, it's still... Thank you very much to Philip and the mods for keeping some kind of rain on that. Uh, Matt, quick one. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to follow up with talking about the soft tires. Uh, to remind everybody, these tires are very thermally sensitive. 
and getting them to the right temperature, uh, depending upon how your car is designed and what it is inclined to do naturally, can be a bit of a challenge. So in cooler temps, as the night goes on. Yeah, <laughs> it's a valid point. Yep. Uh, you could see the Red Bull having an advantage on the soft tire because they're able to get it into the window easier and better. I just want to. I just want to avoid this getting into a tech time too much. A because I can feel Alex and me losing our, our grip, and also because it's a good opportunity to uh, ask Matt to nod and say, "Is there going to be a, a tech time season review? A tech review?" Um, yes, I have not talked to Summers at all, but I'm happily volunteering him for that Woo-hoo! in the very near future. Well, in that case, maybe we can pre-record that and have that in the time off that I was going to have between Christmas and New Year. Um, I think a lot of the Mercedes time difference especially in the 44 car alex can be attributed to the the scientific notion of conservation of motion and i don't know if you're aware of that um for example if you're in space and you're you have a stone and you throw a stone forward you will go backwards in the other direction uh, you know and i think lewis hamilton with the force of his coughing and sneezing and such like was actually decelerating the car um during qualifying he coughed in both the qualifying uh, post-qualifying interviews and the post-race interviews. I'm not criticising. I'm not like, how dare Lewis Hamilton cough? But clearly, you know, you know this uh, this global plague we've been having. He had that, and uh, lad didn't look a thousand percent well. It's his car. He had every right to get into the car. He was negative. He wasn't putting anyone at risk. But clearly, he was still a bit unwell. Um, something I do in my day job when I was out seeing people was reading body language and the body language from Lewis. He's normally chest puffed out, head held high is the way he normally stands in front of the camera. There was none of that this weekend. His shoulders, his shoulders were forward. His, his eyes were down. He was not, he just didn't seem like the Lewis Hamilton that any of us actually recognize from any stage in his career. And I remember seeing him on Friday and I was like, He's not happy. And then I thought he looked a little bit happier this morning um, in an interview that I saw, but you could see after the race, he was destroyed. He even said that he was absolutely exhausted um, because he's just not 100%. It's very clear that Lewis was not running at 100% this weekend for obvious reasons. For him to have done the job he's done and do it extremely competitively as well. I mean, only a few seconds behind Bottas at the checkered flag and only... Uh, what it was less than a tenth covering the top three, uh, which Lewis was third in qualifying, is as- astonishing when you really put it into context. If he was, you know, struggling more on Friday compared to today, then obviously at that point he's driving an un- a suboptimal car uh, because he hasn't been able to prepare it the way the way he quite likes. And it's it's like he was always he was trying to hit a moving target all weekend. So contextually. Very strong race for Lewis. And Hamfosi, don't don't come at us because blue on blue, me and Alex are, are big Hamfosi. We're not criticizing Lewis Hamilton, but Alex, like driving Formula One racing cars is really, really, really hard. And you have to train like loads and loads. And Lewis Hamilton is like, he's like the Schumacher of his time in, almost in physical fitness. I know there's a lot of fit guys out there, but you would imagine that his physical regime and, and ability is right up there with the very top F1 drivers ever. So if you're even 95%, that is going to affect you. It's going to. You know, and, and adrenaline can only carry you so far. And also, Chris makes a really good point about setting the car up and things like that. I bet he wasn't at full attention during a lot of the briefings and things. And when it came to setting the car up, he was probably not putting his 100% in. He was probably going off for a nap because 
he felt so terrible. Um, so if you can't get your preparation for the whole weekend correct, you then go into a race with bad balance, which he complained about yeah. all weekend, and then you can't get it right. You can't drive a car for 55 laps with poor balance. Okay, so, so Lewis Hamilton did quite well. You know, he did fine. He had a reasonable race. He finished third. He was like just behind his teammate. Uh, but the chat room was suggesting, someone said, well, why drive if you're not 100%? Well, you know, it's his car, it's his spot, Chris. But also they're suggesting, probably, probably correctly, that well, Russell's done pretty well. Well, I don't need to see him in my seat this race. But also, wait, you're like, why should, if he can do the job, yeah. then let him do it. Tell that to MotoGP riders who literally go out and ride and risk their lives while they've <laughs> yeah. got pins all over their bodies fixing the bones they shattered a week ago. And they're seen as heroes. Uh, Alex, quick one. Let's move on. But I also think the reason Lewis would have wanted to do this weekend, it is the last race of the season where he's matched and beaten the all-time win record. He has matched the driver's term and he wanted to go and do those donuts mm-hmm. and, and celebrate his season because the season has been about about him. Um, but again, the whole George Russell thing, I think the George Russell thing has done more damage to Bottas than it has done to Lewis Hamilton. Oh, okay. But with regards to those donuts, I mean, uh, a, a very early uh, award to... We don't normally do this, but comment of the week, uh, just in F1 terms, has to be to the Red Bull team. Mercedes posted a tweet saying that, oh, look, they were they were sending these cars into retirement in style, doing their donuts. And the Red Bull team tweeted, what do you mean retirement? Uh, that's next year's Racing Point. Uh, come and collect your car and tagged Racing Point in that tweet, which I just, I died. That was great. So comment of the week <laughs> for the Red Bull admins as well. Uh, but this is the time that we turn to Matt Trumpets. Yeah, that bumper slowed things right down. And we ask Matt Trumpets where the race was won and lost. Indeed. And this week, as almost every week, the straw start, strat, the strat and the start, but mostly the start, proved to be absolutely crucial. Um, mostly because even though Verstappen got off to a fairly good start, Botas had him and it looked like he really, really was going to take him through the first uh, complex of turns, but Verstappen was able to hold him off and and take the lead from which he never relented. And likewise, I think Hamilton was also had a bit of trouble at the start and and briefly Norris may have been troubling him, but it was not it was not as much of a thing as they say. I missed the start. I I we had a conversation on Friday. I thought the race started at 5 p.m. I think because the last race started at 5 p.m. So I thought this one would as well. And I suddenly, I realized I was scrolling through my phone and people were talking about it. I sent my son down. I said, right, based on the order of the people in the race, tell me whether we should wait till later or jump and watch it live. And he's come downstairs. He's looked at the order and gone, oh, that's pretty much the same. They've, they've lined up pretty much the same. He's gone, now nah, we'll watch it now, which is probably the right call. But watching it on the replay later, I mean, Bottas was what we would now characteristically describe as a little scruffy. But perhaps, Alex, I think Hamilton, not as clinical attacking and pushing. I almost sensed a little bit of a vibe of, now nah, on you go. And people in the chat suggesting that perhaps Hamilton's job this weekend was to protect Bottas's uh, second place in the championship. I can't quite see that myself. But from a team point of view, maybe they said, let's not get in Bottas's way. We, we want that second place. Yeah, I could see how that was be, but you, if you look at the attitude of Lewis's car through a lot of it, he wasn't attacking. I don't actually pretty apart from um, that one lap where he touched the um, 
the the rumble strip on 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 his qualifying lap where he damaged the floor. Um, apart from that, I don't think I saw Lewis ragged all weekend. I just don't think he was bothered. Mm. Um, I think he just wanted to get the get the season done, get it over with. Maybe protect Bottas. I don't think he cares. Um, I think even if he even if Bottas had dropped behind Lewis, I don't think it would have affected it. But and I don't think Album would have got him. So. I understand the mentality of it, but I, I don't think it's a, a thing. All right, then, Matt. Well, back to you. I think what we haven't noted so far is the McLarens and their performance in, in qualifying as well. Norris qualifying fourth alongside Lewis Hamilton was abso- absolutely fantastic. A great driver pairing. Um, they had a good weekend in general. Um, but what they have done in a lot of races is hustle a little bit on the early laps and make a little bit of a nuisance of themselves. And so Hamilton had to, had a, had to at least fend him off even if ultimately, you know, the McLarens weren't competitive. Uh, Chris? Did anybody else get the feeling um, that, if, if harken back to the first Bahrain race, for example, where Lewis and Max just drove off into the distance, they were really, really pushing each other, left Bottas well in the dust. Does anyone else get the feeling that if Lewis were 100% this weekend, we would have had a race... <laughs> like that between those two at the front. Uh, I don't know. I think the I think the track might have seen to that. Yeah, we could always add it to woulda, coulda, shoulda later on. We will. That's our new segment with a theme tune. Could, now we've got to come up with. It. Now, do you know what Chris is always good for a theme tune? So Chris will impromptu come up with a coulda, woulda, shoulda theme tune to backing music in real time on the spot. But let's continue with where the race uh, was won and lost. So uh, we line up pretty much um, through that first in as as we were with Verstappen, Bottas and Hamilton. And uh, where is Albon at this point? He, I, I want to say about lap six, but I have to check my notes, um, past Norris. And that was important. And the other important pass that happened that's not part of this discussion, but will be part of a later one, would be Gasly getting around Fiat uh, on lap eight. But in essence, as you say, it was a remarkably non-crashy start to a Formula One race. Usually there's at least someone like driving off the track, spinning around, leaving carbon fiber all over the place. It was actually a pretty staid affair. And you might get the... I don't know if the the team principals give them all the talk. All right, lads, it's the last race. We really don't want to have to pay for anything more than is absolutely necessary here. So let's do be a bit more careful. But it it did seem like that sort of talk might have been had. And then, of course, we get to the tragedy of the race. (laughs) I was going to skip by it. Yeah, look. This, yeah. Well, no, well, look, Perez chuntering out of his potentially last race is is potentially sad but as a Perez fan I am not sad I think there's there's news coming around the corner um it might be in line with what we've been talking about for the last for the last 3 months but then again I guess it might not be so we won't dwell on that we'll address that um in the week but we we believe as well we have believed for some time that that Perez to Red Bull is is done so not quite as upsetting as the commentary was making out oh no he didn't get the chance to do his last race and do well at the thing um it was interesting for the race because it was kind of a little reset because Verstappen looked comfortable out front which was which was nice to see in a way it wasn't the Mercedes lining up line astern biding their time hunting them down waiting for their opportunity to pounce it wasn't that they they were falling back and Verstappen and Red Bull were, were ahead, which is uh, which is a thing. And then I was scared. Oh, is the safety car going to ruin it? Because as we've seen with races, 
teams get on different tyres react differently. And at every point in this race, I was looking for, right, what is the moment where Mercedes are going to suddenly unlock this advantage? And I, and I wondered if this tyre change was going to be the case after the Perez-induced VSC and then safety car, Matt. Right. Um, so, yeah. So the safety car engendered by Perez's power unit transmission, I am told, is being reported. But we all think it's an MGUK, personally. Whatever it was, it went. And there was some yellow flags. And then very rapidly, there was a virtual safety car. And it was timed just at the point where the teams thought, yeah, no. I think we might just get to the end if we bring in everybody who's not on the hard tire. Because obviously only the hard tire would be able to run that many laps. So immediately left out of this choice would be Vettel, who started on the hard, and Ricardo, who started on the hard and had gotten the um had gotten the, the wave by from Ocon. Uh, I, that uh, looked like a legit overtake to me. That looked like um Ocon defending as hard as he possibly could and then and Ricardo just doing him. That's what it looked like. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You can. You, I. I love your attempted trigger, but uh, my boy finished the the race with a pass, so I'm not going to feel too triggered today. If sure, I'm sure, being sure, honest. Sure. Oh, oh, Matt. Matt quick, quick, sorry. Quick. Very quick diversion. Just realised that next season, because I'm I'm on the Alonso bandwagon, and you are uh, okay. Ocon Fosi. We're yep. we're like a Renault fanboy podcast next year. By the way. Yeah, uh, Kyle will love this. Yeah. He absolutely will. Sorry. Continue, please. I was distracting you. Yeah. So so what it did effectively. Because uh, the strategic position, when everyone pitted, all the leaders pitted, all the, like I said, all the way down to Vettel and Leclerc, who stayed out, and then Ricardo afterwards. When they pitted, they went on the hard tire. Everyone was looking at doing a one-stop. And what it did is it removed some strategic flexibility from Mercedes. Because as you say, we don't know on the medium tire if they might not have had pace around lap 16, 17, 18 yes, to get later. into undercut yeah. range. We don't know if Botas tires went off, if Hamilton might have been able to either hold out and run faster laps, overcut him, or, you know, or actually pass him on track. And crucially, Albin was already starting to fall back a little bit. He, he mostly seemed to run the race kind of in his own pace bubble. He was way faster than the McLarens but he was usually several tenths off of the slowest of the top three. That might have multiplied to a point where it was an actual issue for Red Bull. All of that got short-circuited right then and there. Very good points. Uh, Dr. Vidya Jim says uh, it's going to be Alpine, not Renault. We're going to be Alpine Fossey. Alpine Fossey next season. Come on, Alpine! Ugh, now it feels... No, no, I can get on board. We can do that. We can adjust. And then we'll pretend that I never said that Renault were everybody's 10th favourite team. Uh, me and Alex had a bit of a discussion um, on WhatsApp. And by discussion, I mean knives out, blood drawn, full on... Uh, no, it didn't even get that emotional, did it, Alex? But we had a disagreement about the relative pace of Hamilton and Bottas. I felt during the race that as the gap in that second stint from Valtteri Bottas to Max Verstappen lengthened and lengthened and lengthened. The Hamilton gap between Bottas to Bottas didn't. It stayed more or less in the same zone until he locked up. There was a feeling that perhaps Hamilton could have been quicker. Uh, and it was just surprising that to, to me that Mercedes let that gap just get bigger and bigger and bigger, ultimately without doing anything about it. Partly, I think, because they don't think they could have got attacked Max anyway so um 
they were just happy to leave them where they were. Well, even if they Especially swapped, if, even if they swapped, Hamilton gets I think released. Even, I, I, I don't think Hamilton was going for it because the one thing we the, the the pattern you say about Hamilton whenever he's following Bottas was generally true. He stuck between two and two and a half seconds. Sometimes dropped to like three, four seconds, and then would kind of eke it back. Um, but that we never actually saw Lewis try and pounce. No, um, and I think when he did try and pounce, he then locked up and then screwed himself. So, did Lewis probably ha- did Lewis have a bit more pace in hand? Maybe would it have made a difference actually and given given Mercedes a chance to go off the max? I don't think so. I think Max was in cruise mode for the whole race. So I I I, I see your merits of a case of would Lewis have gone quicker? Possibly would it have made a difference to the actual result? No, apart from one Mercedes would have been ahead of, ahead of the other Mercedes. Well, okay. So what I'm looking for here, Matt is when we're talking about where the race was won and lost, with with Verstappen, the two Mercedes, and Albon behind, was there anything Mercedes could have done? There was that kind of, there was that period with about 20 laps to go where every team radio, we've got the team radio on now on the app because I've just discovered it, it's so cool. Um, every team radio, you sit, oh, the tire, how are the tyres? Not so good, don't like it. How, how are your tyres? Oh, not so good, I don't like it. Verstappen, these will never, these tyres will never get to the end. We had a bit of a discussion a couple of weeks ago how uh, the, the strategy seems to be let's eke out for a one-stop, let's push for a one-stop. And on tracks where it's hard to overtake, here, uh, Singapore, uh, among others, the push for the one-stop is strong. So was it a case of they all just dropped their pace in order to go for that one-stop? Was there anything Mercedes could have done? After the safety car, there wasn't a lot they could have done other than drive faster that was it that was and you know it sounds very simple and it's almost impossible to achieve and again you know we're sort of going to get to the third reason uh, where the race was won and lost but but really before we leave it we leave it with Albon because it wasn't just a virtual safety car let's remember it turned into a safety car and that had the additional and I think critical effect of closing all of the gaps down which meant that you reset on, was it lap 13 in the, or 14? Uh, lap 13, into lap 13, I believe the safety car came in. You reset the race to the very start with everyone on tires that can go to the end. And and as we look at Albon being in the pit window of Mercedes for yeah. the whole rest of the race, well, then that that that's absolutely critical. That That gave them five, six seconds they didn't have before then. You're right. Without Albon there, there was a small chance that they could try and do like what they did in Hungary last year, for example, get one of them on that um, set of fresh tires, softer tires, and just see where they end up. Because at that point, they didn't really have anything to lose, but they could have also like gained the fastest lap point. Is it me or is is the chat room very, very uh, Dutch heavy today? There's a lot. uh, Well, (laughs) welcome to our Dutch friends. And can I just say how brilliant Max Verstappen was? He really is Desperately, really good and dashing and good looking, like a World War uh, Two fighter pilot of old. He's basically Rick Mail in Blackadder. Yeah, I, I mean, to be fair, he was pretty mega today, wasn't he? <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I know. I know. We'll make the joke because they're there, but he was actually pretty good today. No, no, of course he was. And um, people are saying uh, that Max Verstappen had said that uh, the tire games was a bit of bluff. And I'm trying to find the person who pointed to a bit of Channel Four commentary. I'm sorry, I can't find it. Um, but they said that um, the tyres are reported on a button, so all the radio tyre stuff is bluff. That's brilliant. I knew it. I knew there was something going on with that all along, Matt. 
Yes, we've seen it in other sports, and and it's not a surprise because they do know that the they know that the other teams listen to their radio channels. So they might have been trying to provoke Mercedes into blowing up their tires or trying some unusually low probability uh, maneuver. But really, you know, if you're talking about what might they have done, well, on those tires, you might have said, "Okay, Lewis, we're gonna we're gonna put you on maximum push." Valtteri, we're going to let you conserve your tires, and Mark Verstappen, we're going to try and blow his tires up. They didn't do that, or they might have. They might have reversed it, possibly because they were just trying to be fair amongst the drivers. Uh, but also, I think it, genuinely because they were concerned about putting that kind of stress on the power unit. And here's where I'm going to point out the way that the power unit affected. It's obvious with Perez going out with the Mercedes power unit, that that had a direct effect on it. But less obvious, but still equally important, would be Russell's power unit going and killing, was it was it he who killed the long runs in FP2? The loss of the FP2 long oh, runs yeah. was not an insignificant thing. And if I blamed it incorrectly on Mercedes power unit, my apologies. Could they, um, could they also have been, I don't want to say compromised, but it wouldn't have helped. The fact that they had to run these 2021 uh, prototype tires as well. So not only are we at a Grand Prix where you only have one time relevant uh, session because of the the twilight uh, start time, uh, but then you also lose some of that runtime because you're running tires for next year as well. When there's a post-race test, like in two days as well. Okay, bit of a warning. I'm going to say uh, something nice about Alban. Come on, Trumpets. I mean, you have been the biggest advocate of Albon this season. I believe, from all the information we can glean, that he's going to be a reserve driver next year. Um, uh, He's not on on any of the uh, post-season tests or anything like that. This looks like at least a pause in his career. I have been the most critical of his performances. I think he's not been up to scratch. I think it's correct uh, that he make way for a driver this season, for next season, that that can take advantage of the seat. However, this race, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He made life hard for the Mercedes guys. He did what you would want a number two to do to Max Verstappen. And he, he even though we're saying Mercedes couldn't have done much more, Albon played a big part of that. He, he really narrowed the options down for Mercedes. Well, yeah. And he, his qualifying was, I think he was three and a half tenths off Verstappen. Okay. I mean that's faint like, like praise. He, I mean he 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 quite literally just about halved his normal deficit. Right. Okay. That's, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And and is into what I would consider just in my own watching of Formula One, sort of a relevant teammate deficit. Like if you can qualify within three tenths of your teammate, you know, I think you were there or thereabouts in terms of that's acceptable to the team, particularly when you are good at wheel to wheel combat, which he absolutely showed us early on. And then he hung about in Mercedes pit window and absolutely made it impossible for them to try any low probability or stupid maneuvers, which could have would have almost certainly gained them, if nothing else, a single point for fast lap, which uh, went to Ricardo instead. Chris, let's be clear. Albon's aggression, his uh, racing combat and his attitude have not ever really been a question. It's been it's been about raw, raw pace. That's 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 been the criticism. Yeah, that raceability, 100% there. Although you would argue that he is driving a car much quicker than the cars he ends up racing. Um, I think his issue has also been trying to work out how on earth to drive this particular car. 
They've had a few drivers try it, not be able to do it for some reason. Max can, which is which is great, but it does. It seems to be a very difficult car to drive. Now, maybe if you know, say Perez gets the seat and next season he he aces it, then I, I honestly don't know what to make of that. But if he struggles as much as Gasly or Albon did, then uh, certainly I think it, it makes uh, a point in that case. Um, there's some comments as well that. Album might end up going to FE. He he won't. That grid is is settled. He'll probably just take a reserve, reserve driver yeah. role. Van Gein. The question I have is, you know, we talk about um, is the car difficult to drive and things like that, and other drivers are struggling. Gasly struggled. Albon struggled. Ricardo never struggled. Ricardo was always there or thereabouts, or sometimes quicker than Max. So, what has fundamentally changed between Ricardo leaving and now? Well, uh, for the year of Gasly, I don't believe a great deal changed. But you did see, and I'll point out his first drive in Spa, you did see why Red Bull wanted him in that seat relative to how Gasly was doing. And he did improve to the point of almost winning a race in Brazil during his first half season at Red Bull. For this season, they made a change uh, in the front suspension that made it a lot trickier to drive. It made the car slower to drive. And you can look at the relative percentage gaps to Mercedes yep. as a measure. It was slower for Max, too, but relatively, Max was much, much faster than Albon. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Good. So Albon played his part today. Like the Arcadians in the movie 300. They were wild, but they played their part. So let's talk about the race winner. My goodness, Max Verstappen. And I'm not just talking about them because I'm getting eyes from Alex van Gen for with his Dutch heritage or all the angry people in the chat room. But look, the lad has done everything he possibly could have done today. And he... It meant something to him. That's what impressed me the most. He was on the radio. He was looking for every connotation that could go wrong. I'm worried about uh, the tyres. Turn the engine down because he's been hurt before, Alex. He has been, he's been through the mill. He's suffered behind these Mercedes for several seasons. And, you know, he's even going, guys, 
turn the end. I've got, I've got capacity. And that shows how dominant he was today. Let's use the word because it's true. Max Verstappen was dominant today, so much so that he was asking his team to turn his engine down. Yeah, he was he was phenomenal. I mean, there's almost not much to say about him because he was so good. Yeah. He he got off the line, which has actually been a bit of a bugbear for him this season. He got off the line well, he got to turn one uh in first and never looked back. But to be honest, what was actually more impressive was his performance yesterday. Because we all know Merck do have a way of turning it up in qualifying, which means that gets them ahead. And he still beat the Mercs yesterday. So I actually think despite how impressive his performance was today, his qualifying was even better. Matt. Do, do which I can only say, how much were they losing per lap with that MGUK thing? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. He delivered. He delivered when he had the chance. He stuck the knife in and he did not hesitate at all. It was very impressive. And it was an impressive drive. But there was not a lot of drama in it. No, true, true. But did, did we not hear the defense for Vettel's dominant era and for all of Hamilton's dominance as well? Did we not hear that this is what makes a champion the ability to be up ahead, to control everything, to see the whole race? And we've been waiting forever to see the champion, the true champion potential, Chris, of Max Verstappen. Was this not a champion's drive? That was all the car. Oh, the car. Yeah, it's only because he's got the best drive. <laughs> Do you know what I, I, I loved about after the Zakir race was everyone was talking about Russell and saying, oh, this just proves that Formula One is all about the car. And they're like, yeah, have you ever watched Formula One before? It's it's a team sport. It's mostly about the car. Yeah. It, 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 it's not hiding that. The, the, it's all the car stuff. It's, it's just so, I'm sorry. It's so dumb. I'm sorry if you're one of those people. The, it's yeah. just the car people. But it's like saying like Alex Ferguson, oh, he was only the best manager because he was in charge of Manchester United and had millions of pounds to spend and an audience of 60,000 people generating revenue. It's a team sport. So, yeah. But look at Mercedes. When they didn't have Lewis Hamilton available, did they go, oh, well, I guess we've got to put, um, is it Ranganathan? Is that the the F2 driver? Ragunathan. Ragunathan, yeah. Did they go, oh, we've got to put him in. We've got no choice. No, they're the best motorsport team in the world at the very top. And they could pick the very best drivers. And they chose to pick George Russell, just like they chose to pick Lewis Hamilton, just how they saw something in Valtteri Bottas. So it's a team game. And for drivers getting to those best teams getting into the best car is part of the challenge so if anything if anything disproves that it's series like formula two where okay yeah some teams are better than others and have more resources but there's still a considerable field spread considering it's a spec series yeah, no true and, and look and people are throwing figures about in the car saying uh, in the chat saying oh it's 90 percent car it's 80 percent car it, it could be that but we've seen this season the difference it can make. So look, as we move on to the midfield, Matt, I mean, why don't we move to... Uh-oh, go on. Yeah, I was going to say, you've just reminded me of a classic saying amongst orchestral musicians, which is, you know, the difference between a good conductor and a great conductor isn't much. But the difference between a good conductor and a bad conductor is everything. A bad conductor can wreck a performance. Anyone halfway competent will, will prevail. And I think Formula One is the same way with drivers. But also, you talk about it's 90% the car, 10% the driver. When you're looking at Formula One, 10% is a lot. <laughs> 10%, even if it was 5%, that's massive in, in, in pure performance states. If you're going to lose 5% of your maximum performance, but you can build that up with a driver, put the driver in. That's why they put 
uh, Russell in rather than Ragan Nathan because Russell can do the job. We we just launched um, a new car at work, and uh, we're part of the selling point is that it's one percent better in terms of lap times <laughs> compared to the previous <laughs> generation car, which is like uh, it sounds so little, but it's a lot. It's mm. it's a lot. And and look and and look look at the driver lineup now this year. Look, look what Hamilton can do that Bottas can't do. Look at what Leclerc's been able to do that Vettel hasn't been able to do. Citation needed, some mitigating circumstances there. Look at the difference between Verstappen and Albon, Perez and Stroll, Ricardo and Ocon. Only kidding, Matt. We know Ocon has shaken off some rust. He's going to be awesome next year. Can't wait to see it. But look down the grid. Look down the grid in Formula 1. You see the driver makes a difference. And and of of course, it is it is more a difference of 10 to 20% than 50 to 60%. We know that. We know that. Alex? Low Stealth just said in the chat, 10% in quality and you have to ask, get special permission <laughs> to race. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Look, look, let's move on to the midfield battle a little bit as well because uh, McLaren and Racing Point had it all on the line for third position. I believe that that was an important battle. I believe that is a fight that all the teams were taking seriously. And, um, and I, I put on Twitter today, I, I said, Chrissy, I said, what is the difference between Racing Point and McLaren over the course of the season? Uh, it was a a season. It was a season decider today between mm. McLaren and and Racing Point, and McLaren did everything they could. First of all, I'd like to say this has been a fantastic battle to watch unfold. Each team has had its high moments, its its, its low moments. Um, there's been some fantastic battles on the track concerning that. Uh, position in the championship and also some dirty dirty tricks off the track as well it was political it was a (laughs) filthy fight and i absolutely love it oh they should get a penalty for that oh this part's illegal (laughs) and oh do you see the way he did that oh they should be reported to the stewards for that i love it i absolutely love it there was a lot of telling wasn't there matt there was a lot of dobbing in that you'd have got beat racing point would have got beaten up at my school tell you that uh, that's just like a Monday in Formula One, man. Everyone complains about everyone else being illegal. Oh, yeah. you know, if I was going to do this thing that I know Mercedes is doing, theoretically, FIA, would that be like a disqualifying penalty? <laughs> I mean, yeah. everybody asks that questions in emails every Monday morning once they look at the photographs. So uh, while I take your point, the political battle and the legal battle absolutely mattered because after all, how many points was it that they lost for their illegal car? 15. Or break ducks? 15, 15 points. Yeah, that's but kind of mattered need- just a bit. Not only that, they lost 15 points with uh, Perez's engine fire in Bahrain. Um, they've definitely lost some points in, in Abu Dhabi as well. This is only just going off of like, particularly recent races. I'd say McLaren over the course of the season has been a more reliable car, and that has helped. But obviously, the biggest difference between those two teams is that uh, Norris and Sainz push each other like crazy. When you look at their stats, they were so evenly matched yeah, okay, throughout so. the season. This is something for, for Kyle and Ellen on the season review, but I'll leave this with you guys and you can email me spannersready at gmail.com or mistapexpodcast at gmail.com. Quickly give you the, the final driver points in that battle for third place. Sergio Perez, 125 points. Um, Lance Stroll, 75 points. Carlos Sainz, 105. Lando Norris, just behind on 97 points, so eight point difference. So I will ask you, what is the what has been the difference between Racing Point and McLaren this season. And I think we'll answer that on the race review because I want to go back to the race, Matt. And let's let's move to the midfield a little bit because it looked like Ferrari had some potential. And one of the advantages of training your children 
to follow the screens and follow the live timing is that my little daughter, who I not, I'm not even, I've been neglecting her massively because she's she's not been that actively into F1. I've favoured the boy in this regard. Podcasting, the girl's much better. But in this regard, you know, I've been favouring the boy. Suddenly, as the pit stops are happening on the safety car, little Vivi, she's there going, Dad, the Ferraris aren't pitting. They're staying on old tyres. I was like, she understands things. This is incredible. She's eight. Um, But an interesting choice because of Hamilton being on the radio going, saying this is not a good strategy. You should have given me the opposite. And we've seen Bottas do this as well. Give me the opposite. Give me the opposite. And Mercedes being kind of hamstrung by their... uh, pursuit for fairness that they didn't split the strategy immediately from looking at ferrari it looked to validate pitting hamilton because the ferraris they were kind of just sitting ducks leclerc more so than vettel because leclerc was positionally back but yeah i mean i I feel like ferrari probably took the wrong call there yeah well staying out so first of all let's understand we had the soft the softest tires in the pirelli range ah we did okay so the medium tire was actually a pretty soft tire relative. Normally we see two, three, four, which is the middle middle. We saw three, four, five this time. So the medium tire they were running on was oftentimes the soft tire at many, at most of the races. So there's that to consider. Um, and outside of maybe Hamilton, who is a tire whisperer, it was painfully apparent after the safety car, that that they had made the wrong choice with Leclerc. Now, with Ricardo and Vettel, who started on the hard tire, you had no other tire to go to. If you put them on another hard tire, they still had to have another stop. And the issue here is under the virtual safety car or under the safety car, pit stops cost way less time. So you're a fool not to take advantage. You're a fool not to take advantage of this um, when you get the opportunity. And so everyone got off of the medium tire because it was really a soft tire and it wasn't going to go all that long into the race. And the cars didn't like it. The, the cars weren't spectacular on it anyway. The hard tire was looking to be the better tire to be on. And given that, it was it, it just like it baffled me, Chris, that that Ferrari would keep Leclerc out and he plummeted down the order. I mean, it did not take him many laps to be chucked out the back. So what were they thinking, do you suppose? Well, for, well Ferrari and bad strategy calls are just they go hand in hand at this point. It's beyond like a meme, you know, after after a whole season of it. Well, two whole seasons of this really, and probably even further if you look back at even their championship fighting seasons as well. But that said, I mean, we did have a bit of fun action from them because we will talk about Ferrari because Vettel is leading. I mean, Vettel properly passed Leclerc at the beginning of the race, Gene Did you see that pass? What did you think of it? Which one was that, sorry? At the beginning when Vettel got in front of Leclerc. He was in front of him for the whole first stint. Yeah, it was... Uh, Vettel's always been able to overtake. He's had his, He's had his moments, but to have... Um, I mean, I can't actually quite remember the move for this particular one, but um, he's usually very, very good at getting himself in that correct position. And he didn't hit his teammate, which is always great, but I quite like those two today because they both had sort of helmets that were talking to each other today because um, Leclerc had a, uh, had a had a Vettel lid on today saying, thank you, Seb. Um, but no, the, the racing's always been good between those two. I'm a little surprised we didn't hear a radio call to Seb 
move out of the way. Charles is on a quicker tire at the moment. But far be it from either of those drivers to ignore a team order call, though, to be fair. They've both got history of it. Yeah, well, uh, Vettel is going to be at which Ferrari team meeting next? There was no way any order to him was ever going to be listened to how many, by Vettel. If how many has he been me. to while he's still a Ferrari driver? How many has he actually been to? How many times has he visited Marine- Marinello since the, the announcement? Uh, that midfield battle, though, Matt, it was it was intriguing. And um, I, I mean, the Renaults, they showed promise. That was a nice reverse strategy from Ricardo. Well, as, as we were, as we were, as I was just saying, it was fascinating that he wound up where he did uh, because the Renault was terrible on the medium tire. Ocon had no pace on it in the first stint. Ricardo, when he came out, had no pace on it at the end, and it was fortunate for them that he was ahead of Ocon, and it was also fortunate that being on the hard tire, there was no way they could pit him because otherwise he would have just been caught up in the mix with everybody else. But what was a really interesting marker there? And this is the critical point, the the safety car, was that with the Ferrari staying out, Vettel actually had okay pace. But everyone who was out behind him, with the exception of Gasly, was stuck behind him. Stroll was stuck behind him, Gasly passed Stroll, Gasly passed Vettel, and he lost a fair uh, number of seconds. Um, I believe it was 12 altogether. But those behind Stroll lost an additional five before Vettel finally pitted on lap 36 and that absolutely killed their race i mean vettel single-handedly killed the race for more than half the midfield (laughs) which which he had to feel good about because he was defending with a terrible car on old tires and he was you could see he was just having the time of his life teaching them youngsters a thing or two (laughs) chris goes to show the improvements they've made in the straight line speed of that car they got a lot of confidence for their 2021 engine as well. Well, they just dropped some baggage, didn't they? They've uh, left their team principal at home for three races and have been to <laughs> a, another senior executive as well. That's why it's lighted down. The- I don't know the politics of Ferrari. I'm just being hot take guy. I don't really well, know well, what's happening there. Well, of course, their chairman just um, chairman, suddenly retired. That's what I meant to say, yeah. Yeah, just suddenly um, retired out of the blue before the race. And uh, they've got a stand-in guy at the moment before there's a permanent replacement mm-hmm. appointed. Um, but it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that changes the dynamic of the of the Formula One team because um, Camilleri was famously a big advocate of the Formula One t- team, big supporter. All right, so um, there's a few Danke Sebs in there. And for Sebastian Vettel fans, I think he's he's gone to a better place. Don't grieve. I think he's gone mm-hmm. to a better place in his career the the ferrari thing was a busted flush um and i think they've, they've probably done a favor him moving on i think he can do great things alex even if not just a champ even if not a championship ultimately i think he can he can uh prove his reputation he can fight he's got equipment there to do well and there are glory days ahead for vettel yeah, I Vettel. think Vettel can go there and shine. I think he'd fallen out of favour a little bit with Ferrari, so maybe probably wasn't getting the best out of that Ferrari package because he wasn't maybe being allowed to. Everything had moved over to Leclerc. I think um, Racing Point, Aston Martin, what they're going to be next season, will probably hand a lot of the reins over to Seb because Stroll obviously isn't ready to lead a team. So they'll give it to 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 um Vettel to lead and then keep moving forward well we're on stroll then okay yes I'm not the biggest stroll advocate but um I mean again Alex right okay <laughs> again Alex. really never you're oh. not a stroll fan 
I'm not. A, I'm not a stroll apologist. He's off pace. Hey, you he, didn't he, have a catchphrase like I did. Look, look, look! People keep yelling at me. They go, "Oh, he's had two podiums today. He's he's, at, he's this year. He's he's done this." Like, okay, but the majority of the time he's underperforming. He's had a couple of good results. One of those podiums was when his teammate literally overtook him on his way from the back of the field to the front of the field. So that that podium for me is is somewhat diminished in terms of oh, that was an amazing performance. Monza, he had the chance to win after a safety car, um, you know, some safety car fortune. He stuffed it um, at the second chicane at Monza and didn't win. Perez had that same opportunity held on. He won it. Today, Perez had the opportunity, sorry, Stroll had the opportunity to take it to McLaren. He was the sole, the sole guy after Perez went out. And he struggled to get past Leclerc. He struggled to to get past Vettel. He made mistakes. He lost out to Gasly. He kept going off track. Oh, Alex and and Chris, tell me why I'm wrong. Is there a defence for for Stroll in this situation? I think this highlighted a lot of his deficiencies. Not yeah. in this particular race. Uh, Alex, then Chris. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think I think you're right. I think he was he was poor this weekend. Um, he didn't quite get it working. Um, he never he looked at C today. He looked a bit lost, like he couldn't find any pace and was a bit concerned why everyone else was quicker than him and he couldn't figure it out. But he gets races like that. He'll have the odd race where he's red hot and he's doing very, very well for Stroll, but doing very, very well. Um, but then the most of the time, he's kind of a little bit lost and just driving around without much um, uh, momentum. I think this particular race was was not, a great great advert for him um being the sole racing point left okay right the fate of our championship battle getting third in the constructors all rests on you and before the safety car he was within a few seconds of science so he passes science and then that would have sealed it and then of course this pit lane incident which science has been exonerated for um, since the end of the race were some people asking about that in the chat room so so nothing doing there really what happened afterwards you know getting really struggling to get past uh, the Ferraris as Vanji mentioned but it was then getting done by Gasly and and Ocon on the last lap as well that really kind of sealed the fate Vanji on the um on the Carlos Sainz thing and the whole thing in the pit lane, um, you could see where both teams were posturing from. So, Gunst, um, not Gunter Steiner, um, Otmar Safnar. That's the one. Otmar was on was on was on Sky and was saying, "Oh, you know, because of it, it brought us out behind the Ferraris, and that cost us cost us all the time." Um, and then Carlos was saying, "No, the pit lane was really crazy, so I just kept on slowing down to make sure people had space to get out and being safe." Hmm. So it was very, very <laughs> clever the way that they have defended and okay. attacked. And I think I actually think Carlos had it spot on, which is the case of I'm just making sure I'm not in anyone's way. Yeah, exactly. What I mean, dirty, dirty off-track tricks that were just so fantastically well played. And of course, some people were asking as well about like an unsafe release for Stroll. That was that was nothing. I mean, it was close. Don't get me wrong, but unsafe, nah. Yeah, well, it was very clever of him to mention the word safety because it's a safety regulation about driving too slowly in mm. the pit lane, which is what he was being investigated for. And I believe the reason they waited till after the race was because they wanted to hear from him and from McLaren personally, because it had the potential, had he been disqualified, to affect the championship finishing order is not something you want to get wrong. But I want to go back to the time loss behind Vettel. 
because I think it shows that even Ricardo on the alternate strategy, he looked that Renault looked smart. He fin- he had a super finish. He came out in front of Gasly by about 1.2 seconds. Gasly lost 12 seconds behind Vettel because Stroll rocked up behind Vettel about lap 21. And by time Gasly got round him and got round Vettel, it was a 12 second loss. By time Vettel pitted Ocon, the gap to Ocon to Gasly, another five seconds. If Vettel hadn't been there, they would have all been 17 seconds up the road and you would have seen Ricardo pitting out just behind probably Kvyat. And it would have been an entirely, entirely different race. And so when I say that the alternate strategy might have appealed to Hamilton, mm. but every bit of evidence I look at seems to suggest to me that unless, unless he could have really managed that tire, it would have ultimately, he would have lost about 15 seconds because of the delta between the virtual safety car pit stop and a pit stop under green conditions. I think the last bit of one and lost here in the midfield uh, seeing as McLaren kind of brought it home in that way, not only in the race, but in the championship, uh, they they delivered perfectly on the strategy, Matt. I mean, this is a team that seems to have maximised what they have this season, nearly in all regards. I know they've had a bit of unreliability. Signs has been particularly unlucky, could be further ahead. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's it's been such an impressive season-long performance. And in this race, you have to say they nailed it. Yes, well, I believe it was Perez who made the comment after the race that it's pretty remarkable what happens when you have a team with two really good drivers in it. Well, he's not under contract anymore. So uh, was that your point, Chris? No, no. Uh, I was going to say it's quite timely to secure the additional millions from that third place in the constructors when this morning uh, they announced a minority stake being sold in the team just for a little bit of an extra uh, dosh. Yeah, well, there we go. I think, Matt, that is one and lost, wrapped up in a nice bubble. Let's get the last comment from Chris there. He's going to say more Actually, things. Yeah, you know, just just suddenly thinking. Really? Everyone's going to be looking at, um, yeah, yeah, it's a dangerous thing, right? You could hear the <laughs> clock. last? It's hurting in my head. Um, every, people seem to be looking at, oh, Red Bull were able to beat Mercedes today for whatever reason, and McLaren have got a very good car, and this must obviously you know, be what we should expect for 2021. But it's worth remembering that, uh 2021 still has quite significant regulation changes with downforce cuts for the sake of the tires um and uh, you know what did christian horner say on friday only 60 percent of the car is going to be carried over into 2021 okay before we get into any kind of news news territory it's a race review matt it is a race review which is why i can't believe that no one has brought up the possibility that mercedes just mercedes marketing department picked up the phone that you know what would look really good guys not winning a race that doesn't matter at the end of the season <laughs> Ooh, conspiracy theorist but the marketing department did pull an absolute blinder putting all the names of the people who contributed to the successes all the people who've worked for them at the factory at the power unit department and at uh, patronus as well and i was looking on that car and looking for people that we would recognize and yeah sure enough derek was on there yeah, and it's nice that he was getting yep. some recognition as well, and also some some names we recognise from other from from some of our side projects. And I I know that those guys really really appreciated it. A wonderful wonderful touch. However, the writing was awful small, wasn't it? That kind of does demonstrate <laughs> demonstrate why we need the budget cap, Alex. The most important person was on it as well, though. Roscoe was on it. 
Was, no, Roscoe wasn't on it. They he didn't was. write Roscoe on it. <laughs> they didn't. They were Apparently Roscoe. so. Okay. Apparently so. That's quite funny. All right. We'll, we'll allow it. We'll allow it. Uh, Matt, we're moving fast towards the podium, so bear in mind that, that any uh, additional uh, talking points could be brought up within the uh, within the awards. Um, the last thing to say, I think, is that I've had my ear to the ground uh, with Finnish media. I haven't heard anything about Charles Leclerc's uh, pit violations. Uh, four violations. You're meant to get some kind of penalty. As far as I could count, he had 17 uh, pit violation, uh, track limit violations, and no penalty. What's going on there, Matt? Why? Well, because he was told to slow down by two seconds or get a penalty. So no. he was given, it, it was like <gasps> literally like the, I'm going to mention the I word here, the I racing slowdown penalty. Look, look, the said, rule is two seconds or get a penalty. The rule is you get three off tracks and you get told, right, right, that's it. If you do it again, you get a penalty. But apparently for Leclerc, you also get, well, you should get a penalty. But actually, if you slow down a little bit, we'll let you off. Chris, this is the no. equivalent of parents saying to their kids, if you don't get out of that bath in three seconds, one, two, two and a half. But didn't, didn't Stroll get told the same thing? And that was for cutting the track. So that's different. This with Leclerc was specifically. Uh, well, am I confused same about philosophy? this? Yeah, I think you might have got confused. I think it was Stroll who cut the track, therefore gaining an advantage and was told, lose some time or you'll get a penalty. Okay. Alex? They, they, they couldn't give um, Leclerc a penalty for it, though, because they'd already given him a penalty the last race, and that maxes out <laughs> his one penalty per season uh, tally. Okay, fair enough. I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, why, don't we, why don't we drift along? Why don't we drift along to the land of the podium? No, Matt, objections? No, I wasn't sure where we were going next, and I was going to ask that question. All right, well, you have it answered by this rights-free music that you can't complain that we use because it's over 50 years old or something. I don't know. I just assumed that. I googled it, and, well, so far, no one's sued us for using it. You're listening to Missed Apex Podcast. Thank you for spending a wonderful season with us, and thank you very, very much to our patrons, who have kept us supported and have meant that Missed Apex podcast literally um, has stayed afloat. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex if you want to join them. We have, we have uh, crossed important thresholds where the emphasis feels like, and I don't want to, I'm going to cross all my fingers and toes here, it feels like going into 2021, we're not talking about survive, we're talking about thrive. And that's from a personal point of view, and from a project point of view here with Missed Apex Podcast, we want to stamp our name all across Formula One media next season. And and we have some hope because uh, because of the support of our patrons and the people who go to our tip jar. So if you want to support us in our day-to-day running, give us the power to do more things, dedicate more time to content in 2021, patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. If you don't like the Patreon model, I understand that missedapexpodcast.com forward slash tip jar and all the stuff in the tip jar unless you specifically say this is for Matt to down some whiskey to which is perfectly valid that gets ring fenced off that gets ring fenced off into a kind of war chest where if we realise one of the podcast uh, panel needs a mic we go that way if we realise we need outside broadcasting equipment which we do if we get the opportunities which I think we're going to get we can upgrade in those departments so the tip jar acts as our war chest to take the world on um we're really looking forward to 2021 and we hope you'll join us there the last favor you could do us is tell everyone 
if you share the link, mistapexpodcast.com. The video player is there. The audio player is there. Um, so you can click play without having to find us on any apps. You can just see what we're all about. Why not share that on your social media? Tag us as well. Doesn't matter if you've got five followers, you might convert one. If you've got a thousand followers, you might convert 10. That's how we've done it for the last seven years is person by person grinding out from a thousand in 2016 to per episode uh, to 25,000, an audience of 25,000 per show on race reviews in 2020, a million downloads in the last 365 days, 500,000 YouTube views. Thank you. It's all from you telling people what we do. It's time for our rewards. All right, let's start with the good one where we can be all positive and shiny and happy. This is the Good Thing Award. Chris Stevens, you're a shining, bubbling ball of positivity as a public relations man, a PR man, as they say in the lingo. That's right. I know enough about your trade and I care about you enough to have learned that it is shortened to PR. For you, it's all about good spin. Who are you going to spin in a good way in this race? I was really hoping that either that intro was going to last a little bit longer or you come to me like second or third or something so I could have a little bit more time to think about it. Um, I might take the the easy option and go for Lando Norris. Okay. Um, he uh, he edged out science in the qualifying uh, battle, which did come down to to this finale, and also just drove a, a very very good race that helped McLaren seal third in the championship. Good, I like that positivity. Alex Van Jean, what's your good thing of award? award the the thing of the weekend award. All the tributes. There was a lot of tributes. There's a lot of people leaving teams and doing different things. And there was some really nice stuff going on in the paddock. You had, um, as I mentioned earlier, Charles Leclerc has a helmet with Thank You Seb on it. Seb had a helmet with all the names of all his team members on it. Um, You had the saying goodbye to Sainz, the saying goodbye to Perez, um, and lots of really nice stuff. And it made me think during the race, we've actually got a really nice grid of people these days. There's not knives out everywhere for everybody in the sport like they used to be and everybody's oh f1 drivers used to be hard i'm like no they didn't they actually used to just be a-holes you know (laughs) and and none of them were very nice to each other we've now got a grid of really fighty feisty drivers who are actually all really nice i'm not supposed to like ferrari drivers but i like charles leclerc you know, and with yeah. science going there, I like Carlos Sainz. So oh. actually, Ferrari have a team of drivers that I actually like. That's never happened in my entire fandom of Formula One. I've changed my mind on Carlos Sainz. I thought he didn't. He was like cringy, like dad humor. He's not. He's hilarious. He's so funny with all the McLaren stuff. He's on the radio la- on the last race going uh, in qualifying in the last race. I think it was where he went. I, I gave George Russell a toe. And then he gave me a toe. I guess that yeah. shows the relationship we have. So dry. Such a funny lad. I have to mention um, Gust in the um, in in the chat who mentions Kevin's um, donuts. Now, to anyone that actually watched, he literally foot to the floor. He was fully trying to blow up that car. Where you see with the others, they kind of half do it on yeah. the throttle, off the throttle. He was literally just foot to the floor and had it on full whack, trying to blow that car up, which was quite funny. I, I think as well in typical 
like very uptight father trying to show I can be fun, which is what Formula One tends to be when it comes to donuts. <laughs> they said, okay, you could, the top three can do donuts if they slowly go onto the pit straight. No. Which Kevin was not in the top three, nor was he on the pit straight. So, yeah, showing that rebellious nature that we kind of love about him. Uh-oh. And Max missed out on his opportunity to Max missed out on his opportunity to do donuts. Gutted. Yep. Maybe you can't do him. He didn't miss his opportunity to just walk out of interviews with his chair. Oh, I love that. I love that stuff. Like, I'm Max yeah. Verstappen. I'm going to pick up the chair and walk off. You're right. You're right, uh, Alex. There, there is a sense of positivity within the paddock. Um, all, all the way down to, you know, Lando Norris trying to shoulder barge his way past Ricardo to be interviewed first by the Sky team. And uh, and you're right. I like that. Why not have that? It's It's a sport... There's a camaraderie uh, that doesn't mean they're not going to take it seriously and go wheel to wheel with each other. And I wonder how much sim racing plays a part in that because a lot of them go online and they compete against each other and they understand that competition and, and, and chatting and being friendly can go can go hand in hand. You know, um, yeah. And they do well dealing with the general public when they do that kind of sim racing because... They, they chat to people in online forums. Uh, before Roman Grosjean's accident, we were in a practice session. Roman Grosjean is there, you know? And uh, and he's happy to say, oh, yes, hello, hi, it is me, it is me, it is Roman Grosjean. And uh, I avoided getting lapped by him. Just, only just, I have to say, only just two seconds away uh, at the checkered flag. Uh, right, Matt, who was your thing of the weekend? Or what? Or what? Well, I, I'm delighted that Jeansy brought up Magnuson because he deserves a shout. If nothing, if for nothing else, the fact that he had the best start of anyone at this, his final race. And I was in the notes, the show notes for the beginning of the show, but we didn't get to it. The fact that there is now a Hamilton straight at Silverstone. A Sir Lewis Hamilton straight. Thank you. Very, very nice. No, not yet. But you know what? Because it's the last race. And yeah, Max winning the race was a big thing, regardless of how much tinfoil you put on your head. It was a big and beautiful and awesome thing. And it was such a validation for Honda to take pole as well. Yeah. But I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to say my thing of the weekend is the fact that Formula One managed to deliver us an entire season of racing in this most bizarre, strange and challenging of years. Because there was a long while, and I know you agreed with me, there was a long while where the both of us thought, this just may not happen at all. Okay, so Sean Kelly, um, F1 stat man, he's been on Miss Apex podcast a few times and some on some other podcasts as well. I don't know why. Why, Sean? Only stay with us only. Come on, Sean. Uh, but he provides all the stats for all the the, the Sky and the Channel 4 and all that. Uh, top bloke as Broadcast. well. Um, had to... Had to... Uh, he's publicly said, you know, during the coronavirus outbreak and the pandemic, he had no work at all. He's completely freelance and he was stacking shelves at um, Walmart, I believe, uh, for example, just doing what he needed to do to get through it. And he thanked F1. And I wasn't really thinking about this. He was like, all the people whose jobs rely on Formula One were saved by the fact that F1 put this calendar together. And and also, it's, it's very unlikely Miss Apex would have survived if they'd have just taken a, a year off. It would have been very 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 difficult for us as well chris i personally have also uh had uh, a lot of work saved by formula one getting their mm. uh, stuff together and uh, i gotta say i'm really grateful for formula one more than ever um this year um although i don't you know work directly in formula one i work with a lot of the support 
races so formula one getting their calendar together allowed formula two and formula three to get their calendar together and save me uh, you know save a lot of work for for me but also because you know we talked about earlier this really condensed season i've had a lot of incredibly stressful weekends and i've worked a lot of week pretty much all you know weekends this season so to, to have that done and then come back and watch some Formula One at the end of it to just yeah. sit back and unwind. And it'd be such a, a great season as well has been fantastic. I'm very grateful for that. And what else will be fantastic is your theme tune for our new-ish segment called oh, Coulda, Shoulda, Woulda. Go for it, uh, Chris. Shoulda, Coulda, Woulda. Oh, no, I was trying to... No, that's what I was trying to give you some background music. But Shoulda, Woulda, Coulda. We'll work on it. We'll work on it for 2021. Trumpets, give us your shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Well, I think I think the one that everyone would be most interested in is what if Perez's power unit hadn't failed? What would we have seen? Mm, I think maybe a few additional points, perhaps. Was he feeling particularly bullish about going through the field? It was a tough ask on this track to come from the, from the back. Now, I think in his car, he'd have to be looking at well, I mean, if you were in a top team, and your name wasn't necessarily Alvin, if you were in a top team, you'd be looking at P6 if you started there. So I think, yeah, absolutely, he was. He would be looking at points, and Racing Point would have been looking at Stroll to get up and give McLaren a hard time, which, in the absence of the safety car, he did have some good pace for a while, at least, until Ocon caught him on the final lap. Oh, go on. Come on. Have your moment because you didn't do that for your for your thing of the weekend award. Go on. Tell us about the Ocon overtake and why that proves he's amazing and will beat Alonso. Uh, well, he will beat Alonso, not because he's amazing. He will beat Alonso because he spent the last year in a Formula One team racing Formula One cars, whereas all Alonso's <laughs> done is bomb around the track in a car that he drove 20 years ago. Yeah, but did you hear the sounds? It was all like, meow, and everyone was all like, oh my God, that's so much better than now. Noise is well, waste energy, people. Noise is waste. Noise is bad. It is bad. But did you see how tiny the car was? And it just goes to prove the point that you can't, beyond a certain point, see lap time. Everyone was like, oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. And look, he was only four seconds slower than like the average race pace of last year's race. And I'm like, that's not even the qualifying time. I mean, it's not even in the, it's not even the same universe, that car, in terms of speed. Yeah. Over a single lap. But no one cares because did you see how it changed direction? Because yep. it weighs half as much yeah. and it's a third the length. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, so mm-hmm. lap time isn't always the most visible thing. No, no, we've been saying but, it for years here. We've been saying it since 2014 when we had the knee jerk reaction to, to you chuck a load of downforce on because for half a season the lap times were low, Alex. F1 is about going the fastest. It's, no, it, I know you, no. can't, I know you say you can't see that, but it's about the fastest technology. It's about moving forward no. and getting faster. I don't the agree. Whole point of Formula no. One, it's about it's being faster be than anyone thing. else, not being faster yeah, than yeah. ourselves last season. It's, it's being, it's about being fastest within a set of regulations, and that's the engineering challenge. We don't need to get ever faster and faster. That's for let the drag racers do that. <laughs> let 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 some let oval people go for 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 the very fastest top speeds. Formula One is a competition between engineers and drivers to get the best driver car package across the line and, and then fall apart at the end. That's what we should do in F1, not be, not be searching ever more for the fastest lap times. And I'm going to trigger just one person in particular, 
one person out there who I know listening to this will, will get very mad at this, but I think what it showed was bring back groove tyres. That Renault with groove tyres. Oh, yeah. That would have been delicious. Snapping around. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't generate heat. Oh, they're overheating too quickly. Groove tyres. Groovy, baby. You do know he was running on normal slicks this weekend. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm just checking. I'm just checking. That's not what you That's what I'm saying. No, it would would have been even better. If you put the groove tyres on there, it would have proved that groove tyres should be back in F1. I'm talking to one person. I apologise. For everyone else... Oh, no, you missed the apex. Shut up with your positivity, Vangine. Oh, isn't it so good? All the racing drivers, they all love each other and they get on well. That's not what we do at Missed Apex Podcast. We sit in our sheds and our living rooms and we slate people doing stuff we could never dream of. Who missed the apex for you? Do I go for the one that everyone's going to agree with or do I go for the controversial one? Controversial one? Stroll. Stroll. He had the opportunity to rescue... Racing point today in the absence of his teammate and show that he was capable of moving forward in this team. And he fluffed it and he was off the track and he got penalty, not penalties, should have got, you know, got told to slow down and he was just never there. Mm. And, you know, I bet if you went through the season and calculated the points that he alone has lost, I think, I think you've put. Racing point in third. Forget the issues with Perez. Forget other stuff. I think just him. And, you know, he showed all that in one race today. Um, anyone rushing to defend? No? In that case, uh, Chris Stevens. Dude, oh, we should say where we can follow people. Alex is at Alex Vangin. V-A-N-G-E-E-N. What? On YouTube? Yeah, he's streaming. He thinks he's a streamer Yeah, now. I'm streaming stuff. So now I'm going to be actually streaming the um, uh, Formula 3 and a bit of Formula 1. I'm going to do a lot of different things on the Wednesdays now when I do my streaming. I might put a vote on Twitter mm-hmm. so, so you can tell me what I'm going to race because right. um, I, I want to try and spice it up a little bit. All right, you've overplayed your part there. Uh, Chris Stevens at Chris on Racing. Uh, who missed the apex for you? This is maybe more of a coulda, shoulda, woulda, but I'm going to go for Mercedes. Because of these these K issues, and Lewis recovering from COVID is definitely more of a coulda, shoulda, woulda thing. Um, and I think if they were running at 100%, we would have had a very, very interesting lead battle today. Mm, fair enough. I am going to actually give uh, my Mr. Apex award to Ferrari. because, And I haven't actually slayed Ferrari that much this year. Because <laughs> they haven't been a threat to Lewis Hamilton uh, or Mercedes. But that the, the call... It is a coin toss, but more often than not, it just feels like Ferrari do get these calls wrong. And on a track where uh, track position, I think, was predictably important. uh, Sorry, was predictably important. You can kind of understand and mitigate that. However, they were, they really were so immediately, obviously vulnerable that you have to question why they kept both cars out. Yeah, I think I can answer that question. There are two possible answers. One is they thought it was preferred strategy and they didn't wish to put Leclerc on the secondary strategy. But I think more importantly, they always knew their race was going to be driving backwards as slowly as possible. (laughs) And they felt like the best chance was just simply to get as far up the field as they can and then let him maintain. But unfortunately, the, the medium tire, which is I pointed out was a soft tire in many, many other races, was never really going to be up to that task. They would have been much better off hitting him and having him, you know, fight with the others. 
for the for the remnants. As far as who missed the apex for me, and I really hate to say it, it was Daniel Kvyat. 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 It was he Daniel was Kvyat. ahead of Gasly until lap seven and three quarters when Gasly passed him, which sounds a bit awkward now that I say it out loud, but I'll move on. And why that mattered, and it's by the smallest of margins, the biggest of things happen. Why that mattered is he was bought because right after that, we had the safety car. So letting his teammate pass meant that he was at the back of a double stack. And instead of coming out where Gasly came out, he came out back of Ocon. Mm. And he was stuck there for the entire rest of the race. And he's the one whose name has been represented by the letters TBA <laughs> on next year's sheet for Formula One drivers. Yeah, Kvyat's not there next year. Uh, Chris? Yeah, the, he's had some sort of decent performances in the last like five races or so, but it's all a little day late and a dollar short. And I think if, if you know if he'd been performing like this all season, that could have convinced them to keep Yuki Tsunoda in Formula 2 for another year. Um, on Kvyat, apparently in, uh, I haven't seen it, but apparently in a post-race interview he said he's not in the car and Sonoda is yeah <laughs> yeah he sort of gave the game away there but but we've been we've been uh, reporting that we think Sonoda is going to be in as have many other outlets um, Marco Borksik um, says is nobody going to mention that basically in every pit stop in the last five or six races Vettel has had issue with his front left tyre Jack as I said earlier look we don't think here at Miss Apex well you know we're not Vettel fans but we think he's he's going to a better place next season. Not sure Ferrari have his best interests necessarily at heart right now. Nevertheless, he's still saying to his mechanics on the radio in <laughs> Italian at the end of the race. Lovely, absolute, simply, simply lovely. After singing after singing that song, he was also handing beers out um, <laughs> to the team in the in the uh, in the background. Uh, that's that's absolutely wonderful. And I believe in the super chat we had somebody. Uh, drop a donation in the YouTube Super Chat. You can join us in the live chat by looking for Missed Apex Podcast. Um, during the off-season, we are going to be streaming about half of our, our shows live. So you can join us during the off-season and come and come and get your comments in. There'll be less people, so we'll we'll see you more often, um, etc. We are going to do uh, a, a few more pre-records and some different things, which should be fun. I want to get in and do some in-depth interviews with each of the panel and put that together as like a get-to-know-the-panel kind of show which I think will be fun as well. But Matt, who was our Super Chat donator so we can thank, say thank you? Well, we had two Super Chat donators. And are we skipping Pony? Uh, no, just we'll do that next. But Super Chat donators, I have to thank Scott Doro for a very nice donation. Patreon and Christmas beverages, all you all deserve. Maybe tickle a mistletoe with the ones that allow Mist Apex. And Oxford Brooks Racing which said, thank you all for the consistent content throughout the season. Our team loves putting on a race review while we design our next race car. Oh, that is wonderful. I love hearing about where we are in your schedule. Honestly, I really do. Like, tell us where you listen to Missed Apex Podcast and what you think of the show. Spannersready at gmail.com or Podcast at gmail.com as well. Daddy, I want a pony. And I want it now. Who's got one? Matt, you've got one? I do. And for anyone who's listening to the team radio post-race on the F1 app, our friend, an entirely talented and deserving to be in Formula One driver, Lance Stroll, had an utter, I believe you Brits call it, go at his team 
Really? About temperature in the tires. He's like, we need to work on keeping the temperature in our tires up. I was defenseless at the end of this race. I cannot. I mean, he really, really just like, yeah, yeah, it was not. It did not sound pretty. And the only thing I could think when I heard it was like, you're saying we, but I'm pretty sure none of the engineers are behind the wheel of the car, my friend. Like even the temperature in the tires is kind of your responsibility, too. And he and he he and he'd been complaining about traction the whole race, but but the difference between him and Perez, and up between a lot of the youngsters and a lot of the veterans, some of whom were leaving, or maybe not, is that ability. I'm going to defend Stroll a tiny bit, and the only reason I'm going to defend Stroll a tiny bit is is the way he generally talks sounds whiny. And I don't necessarily think he is always whining, but he has that, just that, the way his voice is, I think he often comes across as moaning when he's not. As a dad of 17 years, <laughs> I disagree. Fair enough. One, one award left, Matt. Literally three. Three comment of the weeks and a winner, please. Let's go. So as I understand it, I've just been given liberty to go wild here because it's the end of the year. I'm going to be Kevin Magnuson doing donuts. I, I said what I said. All right, fine. I will try to keep it down to a dull roar. I think we're going to go number one with Yelmer Vanderlei saying MKU COVID-19 about Mercedes' late season MKUK problems. Okay, that's a pun, but uh, because you're Dutch and Max Verstappen, one will allow it. I think we're going to have to go for low stealth. The stewards investigated Leclerc and determined that his strategy was penalty enough. Ouch. Okay. I mean, yeah. Also, uh, Leclerc is uh, bulletproof. Anyway, next. And then I think the very last one is going to be... Hmm. So many choices. So little time. I think we're going to go with Stuart Neal. Honda were as reliable as one of their Civic hatchbacks. Comment of the week. We'll give it to you, Stuart Neal. Comment of the week. A winner. This has been Missed Apex Podcast. Please follow my crew, Alex Van Jean, uh, at Alex V-A-N-G-E-E-N, on Twitter. Follow him on YouTube. He fancies himself a streamer, and I've watched those streams, and they're, they're fine. Like, you could, they're okay. You should follow him on YouTube. Um, he says, big him up more. No, go, go and follow him on YouTube. Go check it out. Um, follow Chris Stevens at Chris on racing chris i do desperately hope we're going to see more of you next season and in the off season tell me it's so i uh, hope so hopefully with a more normal racing year then we should get things going good people have missed you i've had emails i've had people saying have you dumped chris stevens and i've had to go no 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 it's just the schedule we invented a whole like backstory about about like a falling out between <laughs> you and me at one point. Yeah, no, I've I've got to line up some Twitter beef. So I am scared that yeah. people people I put on Twitter. I'm scared that people don't think that I think other people are knobheads. So I need to do some vocal hot take hot uh, hot take Twitter beefs. Um, Alex Brundle offered to be one of my first Twitter briefs uh, beefs in the new year. So we might we might start a slanging match with him. I'm like, I. Alex Brundle, you're the third best F2 commentator of 2020. There you go. There's my hot take. That's not true. He's really good. He's been all right. And so has Alex Jack's actually been really fantastic. He'll be moving to Channel 4. I'll be interested to see what that lineup is next year, actually. Follow uh, my friend, 
Matt Trump is at MattPT55, and he always wants you to follow his wife at A Weaver Writes on Twitter. She writes mucky books, romantic intrigue novels that you can purchase. An ideal Christmas gift, I would say, for your <laughs> significant other. And the links to that will be in the in the show notes and also the links to uh, my other podcast endeavours, the Remain Indoors podcast. Loads to catch up on uh, if you've not been listening to that in the past. Also, if you're a Spotify premium customer, go and check out uh, Spanners 90s Radio. Search for Spanners 90s Radio on Spotify. I'll keep you company with some 90s tunes as well. Someone asked about our off-season schedule. Basically, every Sunday, there'll be some comment. We'll tell you on our social media if there's going to be a live stream or not. There's two shows coming up in the next week. Uh, One is our collaboration with um, the F1 subreddit and Flip uh, Jakobsen will be on with us on a pre-record, which will be released on Thursday. Then we'll do our race review on Sunday. But we will be with you from... I think it's like the 4th of January to start our off-season content. We love the off-season because we get to do whatever we want. We're not bound by races and we've got a lot of F1 and chat lined up for you over winter. We talk a lot about the chat room. And before we say goodbye, can I read to you one more chat comment? Paolo Veri says, thank you all. I came for the sport, but I'm staying for the people. You gift us a really good time. And I think that's a nice way to go. I think it is. Well, whether you are going to see us again in March for the coming season, whether you'll be with us all through the off-season, or whether you're just going to tune in for the race reviews, wherever we see you next, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Missed Apex. Yeah, what a 2020! I miss. I, I still miss Wounds Heal. I think I might nick it and use it at the end of use it at the end of my streams. Remember that Wounds Heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This you can't have it. It's just that that is a very it's very machismo, isn't it? That's very much born of like military days. Ah, oh, Wounds Heal, look at me. Yeah. I don't mind. You can blow my arm off. It's just a flesh wound. I will keep charging at you. But to be honest, as I'm now like a forty year old creaky dad. That less and less do I feel like any kind of uh, warrior. You know, I can't pot around from room to room in my slippers, turning off lights, tutting and then go, we're not heating up the whole street, you know, and then come up here and go, wound healed. Is this just not part of my persona slipping away? (laughs) Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.